You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. An update on the takedown of the Hive ransomware gang, plus insights from CrowdStrike's Adam Myers. If you say you're going to unleash the leopards, expect a noisy call from Killnet. Our guest is ExtraHop CISO Jeff Koslow, talking about nation-state actors in light of ongoing Russian military operations. CISA has released eight ICS advisories, and the agency has also added an entry to its known exploited vulnerabilities catalog. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Friday, January 27th, 2023. We begin, as we said we would yesterday, with the story of the international operation that took down the Hive ransomware gang's infrastructure. The U.S. Department of Justice has announced that a joint U.S. and European operation has taken down the notorious ransomware gang. Thursday morning, Hive's site was replaced with a notice stating, The Federal Bureau of Investigation seized this site as part of coordinated law enforcement action taken against Hive ransomware. The European participants were, in addition to Europol, police in the Netherlands and Germany. The action was called Operation Dawnbreaker, The U.S. Department of Justice characterizes Hive as a ransomware-as-a-service operation that made heavy use of double extortion in its crimes. Hive was also notorious in its target selection, hitting, among other victims, hospitals and schools. Its attacks against hospitals, in some cases, disrupted delivery of care. The FBI has been quietly at work against the gang since last summer, infiltrating Hive, taking decryption keys and enabling Hive's victims to avoid paying the ransom the gang demanded. FBI Director Christopher Wray said at a press conference yesterday, Last July, FBI Tampa gained clandestine persistent access to Hive's control panel. Since then, for the past seven months, we've been able to exploit that access to help victims while keeping Hive in the dark, using that access to identify Hive's victims and offer over 1,300 victims around the world keys to decrypt their infected networks, preventing at least $130 million in ransom payments, 
cutting off the gas that was fueling Hive's fire. Reuters quotes Deputy U.S. Attorney General Lisa Monaco as saying, Using lawful means, we hacked the hackers. We turned the tables on Hive. No arrests were announced, the Wall Street Journal notices. Director Ray said at his press conference, however, that Operation Dawnbreaker continues and is moving on to its next phase. Any arrests would presumably come in that subsequent phase, but most, if not all, of the perpetrators are in Russia and so may be effectively out of reach. Tom Kellerman, senior VP of cyber strategy at Contrast Security, yesterday emailed comments on what it would take to bring ransomware under control, stating, The real challenge lies in the protection racket that exists between cybercrime cartels and the Russian regime, which endows them with untouchable status from Western law enforcement. We must recognize that the majority of the proceeds from ransomware allow for Russia to offset economic sanctions. We might also mention the gang's usefulness to Moscow as privateers and auxiliaries. So it will probably be difficult to collar the hive's worker bees, unless, of course, they should flee mobilization and land in a place with an effective extradition treaty, or, say, choose a foreign vacation spot unwisely. Where's a bad guy to go nowadays? Azerbaijan, perhaps, or Cuba, if you can get there. Chad might be a possibility, but like Cuba, it's not really walkable. Later in the show, we'll hear from Adam Myers from CrowdStrike for his take on the takedown, so be sure to stick around for that. Turning briefly to the cyber phase of Russia's war against Ukraine, a Russian patriotic and criminal hacktivist group has conducted more DDoS attacks against targets in Germany, Security Week reports. Germany's BSI security organization said the attacks hit in order of priority airports, the financial sector, and federal and state administrations. The BSI attributed the attacks to Killnet, the hacktivist group that's functioned as an auxiliary to Russian security and intelligence services. The agency found the attribution difficult, given Killnet's practice of broadcasting a call to hack that invites like-minded people to join in, but concluded that the attacks were indeed the work of Killnet. As has generally been the case with earlier operations by the DDoS specialists, Killnet's attacks were quickly contained, produced minimal disruption, and amounted to little more than a nuisance. The cyber attacks appear to have continued Russia's policy of punishing Germany for its decision to deliver Leopard 2 tanks to Ukraine. We conclude with some advisories from the U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. CISA released eight industrial control system advisories yesterday. CISA also added CVE 2017-11357 to its known exploited vulnerabilities catalog. Federal civilian executive branch agencies have until February 16th to check their systems and apply updates per vendor instructions. So feds, get patching. One last note before we go. This has been Data Privacy Week, and it all wraps up with this Sunday as Data Privacy Day. We'll be publishing a full set of advice and reflections from industry experts this afternoon. Keep an eye on the cyberwire.com and... Greetings to all of you on the occasion. May what should be private stay private and be careful out there. Coming up after the break, 
CrowdStrike's Adam Myers has insights on the Hive ransomware gang takedown. Our guest is ExtraHop CISO Jeff Koslow with insights on nation-state attackers in light of the ongoing Russian military operations. Stay with us. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and Zero Trust. Its unified platform, Netscope One, provides optimized access and Zero Trust security for people, devices, and data anywhere they go, helping customers reduce risk, accelerate performance, and get unrivaled visibility into any cloud, web, and private application activity. To learn more about how Netscope helps customers be ready for anything on their SASE journey, visit netskope.com. The war that Russia is waging against Ukraine drags on, and that leaves many wondering what the long-term impacts may be for the global cybersecurity landscape. Jeff Koslow is Chief Information Security Officer at ExtraHop, and I spoke with him about the outlook for security professionals this year. We find ourselves in a shifting political landscape with all these all these actors. If you're previously aligned with uh, Eastern Bloc countries, however you're working on that, things have changed a little bit. Power dynamics have definitely changed. And you might be, like, at just even as a citizen, right? I, I feel like a lot of the attacks right now are coming from groups, cyber groups who are getting together to do, to, you know, just to uh, try and take over things or cause nuisance to other countries that they're not necessarily aligned with, maybe to create a little bit of favor. A lot of these groups are out there just conducting cyber attacks, somewhat of a nuisance. And, and I expect in 2023 that these will ramp up a little bit. If you need to curry favor with a new geopolitical ally out there, what can you do? You can, uh, you know, do some, some in the old times, they called it privateering, where mm. you would actually go off and you were under the blessings of a state, but not necessarily, not necessarily noticed anywhere. And I, I feel like that's a lot of what's happening right now is small groups under the auspices of, well, we, as long as we do it against 
other countries, it's going to be okay and we're not going to get prosecuted for it and we'll see what happens. And, and I think those actors are getting a lot more sophisticated because they have had the opportunity to have some free reign in some of these countries. And, and that's, that's where I, I suspect that some of these attacks will ramp up and some ransomware groups or groups who are just dedicated to committing nuisances are going to get better and better as their tools evolve. And that's a natural thing, that their tools will evolve and get better. So that's where we find ourselves early this calendar year, I think. Are, are there things that you and your colleagues there at ExtraHop are tracking specifically? Are, are you seeing you know, any shifts with, with the, the various data that you all uh, keep tabs on? We, we've noticed a few upticks uh, shortly after the attack, like most other people, uh, shortly after the physical attack started. Uh, we've noticed a, a bit of things, but uh, what, essentially what we're seeing is a lot of work towards, uh, uh, again, sort of nuisance attacks and some of these low-level attacks that, that are constantly there. They're just ramping up a little bit, and they do seem to be coming from different areas. And it, it's it's hard to distinguish some of the, the dedicated attacks and prototype attacks. Right? These groups are getting better at it trying to figure out what and how they're going to do or how they're going to conduct future attacks. And so you see some of these things and it's a little hard to detangle what is, what is the beginning of attack and what is a real attack given the resources that some of these groups have. Are we seeing that any of these groups are distracted by what's going on between Russia and Ukraine? In, in other words, you know, perhaps they don't have the the bandwidth for their criminal activity because they're they're taking care of things for their homeland. I think that's exactly it. I think that, uh, again, to, to curry some favor or to say that, you know, I want to align with this particular geopolitical ally and I will therefore I will direct my resources towards whoever the, uh, the enemy du jour is today to curry a little bit of political favor. And I think that those attacks are, or those attacks and campaigns are being waged in different areas. It's a little hard to tell where exactly those are aimed from, from moment to moment as the, as the alliances shift and as things kind of settle out. I think we might see more sophisticated actors uh, dedicating their attacks in certain areas. For folks who have the responsibility of, of defending their own organizations, do you have any tips or, or words of wisdom for how they should be you know, fine-tuning their own defenses given this reality? There is a lot of low-hanging fruit out there. I, I believe that many of these attacks will be coming uh, from, from dedicated resources. And if you think about, if my job is to be a nuisance or just disruption, not, not, uh, not, not necessarily even to make any money, but if my goal is disruption, the enemies of my new allies, there's a lot of things you can do. And there's a lot of older infrastructure. This is one of the things that, that we see all the time is, old legacy infrastructure gets attacked. And if it hasn't been patched in a while and it's not up to date, as are many, uh, an example might be, uh, you know, uh, transportation. If you could disrupt the, the trucking industry in a certain country or the shipping industry or the train or the rails or something like that. And many of those systems run on legacy systems. If you can disrupt that, you can do an awful lot of damage really quickly. And, uh, and, and that's, that's the goal of some of these actors. And so my advice to any sort of defender is modernize as much as you can. 
get off some of the old legacy equipment. We've seen an awful lot of legacy protocols out there that should have been discontinued years ago. Uh, Telnet or SMB v1 being used across the internet and things like that. These are just too easy to disrupt and attack and take over. And, and I expect as these groups get better and better, they will be targeting some of these legacy protocols with some attacks that have been known for quite some time. And these could have a large consequence on and anybody who hasn't modernized their infrastructure. That's Jeff Koslow from ExtraHop. There's a lot more to this conversation. If you want to hear more, head on over to the CyberWire Pro and sign up for Interview Selects, where you'll get access to this and many more extended interviews. Continuing our coverage of the FBI's takedown of the Hive ransomware group, earlier today I spoke with Adam Myers, head of intelligence at CrowdStrike, for his insights on the operation. Well, I think um, ultimately it's, uh, it's, it's good when we see an adversary get disrupted, but you know one of the things that we have to be careful of with this is that um, while it is a setback, um, they will still continue to probably operate, right? There were no arrests uh, or anything like that. So um, they'll, they'll probably figure out a way to get back up and running in a relatively short order. Can you give us some of the background here on this particular group, the, the things that you and your colleagues there at CrowdStrike have been tracking? Absolutely. So we've been tracking them since uh, mid-2021. Um, and they are uh, known for hosting uh, something that we call a dedicated leak site. And what that means is that they are doing data extortion um, and they'll steal sensitive information from a target and they will threaten to release it if they don't get paid. And when that uh, ultimately uh, happens, that is kind of uh, how they generate their money. But they also are uh, obviously tied to uh, ransomware as well. Um, there's a notorious ransomware known as Hive ransomware, which is used to encrypt files. So uh, it's a kind of combination of uh, both the encryption of the files and then the extortion of, uh, of the data, the weaponization of the data. When you look at the information that the, uh, the, F- the FBI, the, the DOJ, the Secret Service, and, and some partners, uh, friends in, in Europe, uh, have published about this. Um, there's some interesting aspects here that it seems to me like um, FBI had access to some behind-the-scenes stuff with Hive for for quite some months now. Yeah, it seems that there were some servers that were being hosted here in the U.S. Um, that the FBI was able to get access to, and in addition to monitoring the threat actor, they were able to even recover some of the cryptographic keys reportedly. From your perspective, is, is it surprising that Hive wasn't on to that, that, that the FBI could have been in there doing their, their things and, from what we see here, doing so undetected? Well, I mean, uh, it is a lot of work to, uh, to maintain the infrastructure and to uh, you know, have uh, uh, 
enterprises have security operations centers and they have IT security personnel that are just focused on protecting the enterprise. An organization like Hive doesn't necessarily have those resources. Uh, they are kind of more operating in offensive mode, so they uh, it's entirely uh, likely and uh, certainly uh, it, it is evidenced by what happened yesterday that they weren't paying attention to that. And one thing to think about with Hive is that this is what we call a, a ransomware as a service. And so they are operating the backend platform. And then they have a number of affiliates that will use that platform to conduct their ransomware activity. By affiliate, I mean somebody that is going to, they decide they want to be engaged in ransomware. So they, they seek out groups like Hive. Uh, they get access to the platform, which gives them the ransomware tool, and in many cases, the data leak site, uh, which is run by Hive. And in some cases, also, these ransomware as a services also run the negotiation portal for the uh, negotiating with the victim. And these affiliates, for the uh, the privilege to use the, the platform, they uh, typically pay 15 to 20% on the ransom demands to the Hive group. So they kind of get a, a piece of each ransom that, that, that runs through their platform. And they also have to pay uh, a fee, kind of like a, a platform fee to even have access to the platform. How big a player is Hive here? When, when you look at the, the global ransomware market, where do they sit? They, uh, you know, it oscillates. We have quite a bit of uh, coverage, um, in our uh, one thing that we call the e-crime index, but also there is uh, through our uh, w- we have intelligence reporting that shows kind of the changes week over week uh, for our customers. And so you know, Hive, uh, and this varies from from week to week, obviously. But um, you know, I could tell you that you know in the most recent week that uh, Hive didn't really play as big of a role as some of the other ones, Lockbit. Alf and uh, or Alpha, uh, as we call it, uh, also known as Black Cat and Royal, were some of the ones that were way more active in the last week. And this changes week over week. Um, sometimes these affiliates will move between different platforms, uh, different r- ransomware as a service platforms. So it, um, you know, it, it's kind of tracking the platform is part of what we do, but also tracking those affiliates and which platforms they're using uh, is also important. To what degree do you think that this affects that global ransomware market? I mean, are, are some of the other ransomware as a service providers looking over their shoulders a, a little more intently now? Um, I mean, I imagine that they're probably doing some some hard thinking. Uh, one about hosting any infrastructure in the United States because that uh, clearly probably was a factor here. Uh, but also looking at how can they better secure their platforms and their systems. But you know, I think also. They're more focused on generating revenue. Um, something like this may be a setback, but it's you know not necessarily fatal. Uh, as I said earlier, if there were no arrests, then you know they're still out there. They're still operating, and they'll they'll rebrand and they'll they'll figure out a way to uh, get past this. And you know, I, I think a lot of their affiliates, as long as it didn't impact their ability to make money, probably don't care that much. Adam Myers is head of intelligence at CrowdStrike. Adam, thanks so much for joining us.
Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. Be sure to check out this weekend's Research Saturday and my conversation with Roya Gordon from Nozomi Networks. We're discussing vulnerabilities in BMC firmware that affect IoT and OT device security. That's Research Saturday. Check it out. The CyberWire podcast is a production of N2K Networks, proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Trey Hester, Brandon Karp, Eliana White, Bru Prakash, Liz Irvin, Rachel Gelfin, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Maria Vermontis, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Millie Lardy, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Catherine Murphy, Janine Daly, Jim Hoshite, Chris Russell, John Patrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, Simone Petrella, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next week. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the dark net, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire.